Hello and welcome to the Happy Healthy Strong podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you live a happier, healthier, and stronger life. Building a life that you love starts with you owning your health and intentionally creating the best version of yourself. So if you're looking to better understand how proper nutrition, daily movement, mindset work, and strength training can help you create a life full of happiness and health, then you are in the right place. I genuinely hope the tips, tricks, and information we share will be your catalyst for change. I'm your host, Lauren Heiser. It's time to dive in. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Happy Healthy Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lane, with me today from the East Coast, Mr. Andrew Romeo. Andrew, thanks for hey, joining everybody. us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me, Adam. I really appreciate it. Yes. Andrew, you, you own a gym, East Coast. You've owned it for 13 years. It's a long time. These are, these are all. Yeah, it is a long, these are all true things. Um, I've been in the fitness industry for about 20 years now. I think it's 19. I say 20, I round up a little bit, but I've been in the fitness industry for 19, coming on 20 years. Um, I opened my shop about 13 years ago. November 2nd will be 13 years officially. So I'm a couple couple months shy of that, but I'm, I'm right there at that door as well. There you go. Look at you. We just did um 10 this month. Um, wow, congratulations, dude. A decade is huge. Oh, I saw oh. some stat about um the other day, uh, how many businesses, small businesses fail before a 10 year marker. So you are in like thin air already by being a decade in survive in advance, bud. Just <laughs> yeah. Right. Just keep going. <laughs> I think I'm pure. I don't know if it's, um, yeah, I don't know if it's smartness on that end, but just more being, <laughs> we're, yeah, I, we're not going to give up at this point. <laughs> that's it though. There, I think there's a lot to be said for honestly, just endure and keep moving forward. Cause anybody that's listening, that's ever owned a business or done anything. We all know about that entrepreneurial roller coaster and dude. And like, it's funny. Cause you're like, Oh, this highs and lows. Yeah. And you're like, no, you don't understand. Like I have highs and lows every day of like throughout the course of my day, like seven o'clock was great. Nine o'clock. Oh man, that's horrible. 11 o'clock. Things are good again. One o'clock. I think I'm going broke. Like it's literally a day to day roller coaster. <laughs> That's so accurate. That's <laughs> it is right. I mean, it's just and like if you are tough enough mentally to withstand that and just keep marching forward, you'll probably be all right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's. I couldn't describe that any better. That's that, that's pretty accurate. And and my wife usually gets the the blowback from that too. <laughs> Honey, we're quitting. We're quitting. We're going to cash it all in. We're... Oh no, I we're, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Yeah, whenever I, I honestly think like it might have been Friday or Saturday where I I said that to my wife. I was like, maybe I should just get a job. She was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. Could you, would you be a good or would you be a good employee? I don't know. I've never really been. I was I was only employee for a very short period of my life, um, like in the professional setting. I, I worked two years at Mass Mutual as a health and fitness specialist. So um, I'm sure people have heard of Mass Mutual, giant insurance company, right? Um, their headquarters are out of Springfield, Mass, which is about 15 minutes away from me. Um, and they have two campuses, one that's on State Street in Springfield, which houses 5,000 employees and another that has closed, but um, it's actually in Enfield where the gym is um, that hosts house about 1,000 employees. So I'd go back and forth between the campuses and I would help run health and fitness programs. So it would be trying to get people to get up out of their desk and walk, trying to get people to exercise at lunch, trying to get people to make healthier food choices at lunch. And I did all right there. but. Um, 
I like making decisions and I like doing things my own way. Um, so I don't, I, I don't know if I'd be a great employee. Here, Rome, let's let's backtrack really quick, and then I want we'll, we'll, yeah. let's come back to this. Let's for the, for the tens of people that listen to the show that that don't know you and how big of a deal you are, um, tell give them all the deets. So I don't believe that I'm a big deal at all. But um, <laughs> going through that's through not what we're going to write in the Instagram write up. In the Instagram <laughs> write up, it's going to be huge. Um, so I got into the health and fitness industry being a sport coach. I started out initially as a skiing coach. I was a very good cross-country skier. Um, I had the opportunity to ski at a Division One level. Um, I also ski. I raced downhill as well, but I was better at cross-country. Um, so my first coaching gig was actually coaching high school skiing. Um, and the team that I coached for was um, the team that I grew up skiing for. Um, but we were really, really good. We would win state championships pretty much every year. And the level of expectation was that you train year round, you roller ski, you strength, you strength train, you do all this stuff. Um, and it really kind of ignited a passion for me to design my life so that training was part of it and it was a priority. Um, personally, and then also work-wise. I thought it was awesome. Um, so I went to Springfield College. Um, I initially went there to be a PE teacher. I did that for two years there. And then I switched majors and dove into recreation management and business management. So I got all the anatomy and phys, exercise science, all that kind of stuff done, which is great. And then I went to rec management and business management, kind of what I do now, right? Running a business. So they, they work hand in hand really well together. Um, and while I was doing that, I picked up your typical... Um, side hustle of being a personal trainer at a Globo gym. Um, so I was a personal trainer at Globo gym for a while. From the Globo gym, I moved into um, like a spa type thing. So I don't know if anybody on this podcast has heard of a spa called Canyon Ranch. At the time, it was a number two in the world. It was, um, they have locations in like Costa Rica and some bougier locations. So I worked there for about six months, seven months. And what was really cool there is that they were kind of beyond, uh, ahead of their time where they were bringing in a bunch of different holistic approaches to health and fitness. And this was 2004, 2005-ish. Um, they were talking about gut health and gut biome. They were talking about meditation and centering yourself and breathing techniques. And they were really like heavy layering that into their exercise program. So I kind of got looped into that a little bit got out of school and was like, all right, I'm really digging the health and fitness thing. Where do I go? Um, and that's where I ended up at Mass Mutual. Um, and Mass Mutual was a, a solid job, right? It, it gave me benefits, um, had retirement plans, kind of things that are unheard of in our industry. But um, to what I was saying earlier, I like making my own decisions and I don't like being told what to do. And I also really didn't like working in a basement of a giant building answering to people about nonsense. Um, so while I was doing that, I decided that, Hey, I'm going to open up a gym out of my garage and I'm going to run it in the mornings before I go into work. I'm going to run it in the evenings after I get out of work. So I had work in the morning, I go to work all day and then I'd work in the evening. Um, and that's how I started. Um, I, I did, I did that until I got about 10 clients and then I rented my first facility. And at that time I was still working both. So I, I was renting a space, operating a space. Um, and this is 2009. Um, operating space. And my wife was a high school English teacher. So I was fortunate enough that she was floating our bills. So I could leave the mass mutual job and invest every penny back into the gym. So the gym got up and running 
And it finally got to the point where she could leave her job as a teacher. Um, she was trying to figure out what I want to do. I don't really want to teach anymore. Um, ended up going to social work, decided that, hey, that's not really not for me. And we started having kids. So it, really, the gym became a, a true family business, right? Like if you go there today, you will see me, you will see my wife, you'll see my kids there. Everyone's there, um, which is awesome, which is amazing. Um, and then throughout the, the course of time, you and I ran in, into each other via Power Athletes. We got connected to them. Um, and then I got connected to a company called Next Jump, which is a lot of um, leadership work, which has put me in some crazy circles, man. Like I got, I'm like, I walk into rooms now. Um, there's a four-star Navy Admiral who just retired, whose last position, his name is Admiral Burke, is Admiral Burke. Um, he's, he's, it's nice enough. He lets us call him Bob. Um, his last station was running NATO. Like he ran all of NATO or I'm walking into rooms where CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies. Um, and these people are, yes, I am learning from them, but they're also asking for my input and asking for what I think of things. Um, so I've been working with them for about almost a year. I've been involved with Next Jump. And then from that, I recently, my most recent endeavor is um, I decided to open another gym. Um, for better or worse, I signed a 10-year contract and I am in. It has a personal guarantee on it, so there's no way out. Um, so I'm committed to owning and operating in the fitness space for at least another decade. So I'm, I'm here. I'm here for the long haul. Look at you. It's fantastic. Uh, Rome, I have so many questions. I, I want to go back to skiing yeah. because high school skiing is not a thing we have. In, it gets cold. We have snow. We don't have IHSA skiing that this is like a, this is a sport. This is a winter sport in Massachusetts. You're telling me. Can yes, I, it is one? a winter sport. Dude, I was actually fortunate enough. I, I was in Massachusetts at that time. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate that one of the girls I actually coached went to the Olympics for biathlon. Um, so if people aren't familiar with what biathlon is, it's ski, 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 shoot, shoot a gun, shoot a gun, shoot a gun, ski, 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 shoot, 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 um, repeat and rinse and repeat. Um, I got into skiing via my siblings. I have a brother that's 12 years older than me and a sister that's 11 years older than me. Um, and they were both very competitive skiers. Um, and my brother skied on like the U.S. team, the U.S. like junior Olympic team. And he ended up going to ski D1 at Dartmouth. Um, so from the time, so I think he's 12 years older than me. So at the time I was three. I was getting dragged to ski mountains in a sled. Like, come on, let's go. We got to go watch or do this thing. So I pretty much grew up on a mountain. Um, and no lie, I enjoyed downhill a lot more just for the recreational purpose of like, I point my skis down the hill and I push into my boots and I turn. It's pretty, pretty easy that way. Um, but in line with kind of my current personality, I like being challenged and I like working hard. And that is cross-country skiing. Like that is Nordic skiing too. It's like, if you want a sport of pain, take like crew and then put it on something slippery <laughs> and then make it like five degrees out. And that's cross-country skiing. Like that's like, you're going to suffer. It's going to hurt. You're going to have to work really, really hard. And maybe you'll be good at it. <laughs> you know? That's fantastic. So that's, a, that, that's where that came from. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was a high school sport. That's... That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I was I was decent at it. I was fortunate. I skied on like the Massachusetts team, so we would end up like so we skied the school team and the Massachusetts team, which we would race against like New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine. Um, and you have to drive these ridiculous distances and stay in these shitty places. Um, and I was fortunate that my parents were willing to support me while I did it. Um, so it was good. It was a it was um 
as you said, not a very common uh, winter sport. Most people are like, did you wrestle or did you play basketball? Yeah. <laughs> or vol- I don't know. Is volleyball a winter sport? I don't even know. We didn't have volleyball. Yeah, it's not. Um, but I mean, <laughs> club wise, that's that's when our club will operate is, is is during the winter. But yeah, it'll be a be a fall sport for the girls and a, a spring sport for the boys. Um, is it more? I'm assuming it's pop more popular out there. I mean, it's zero popularity here, but it. I mean, people are doing it. You had teammates for skiing. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I would equate it to like winter track and field. You oh. get a lot of the cross country runners that will come over. Um, most, so I also, um, we didn't have a football team. So we had soccer was soccer or cross country was like your choice of, um, fall sports. Right. So most people that played soccer played basketball. I was one of the very few exceptions that crossed that barrier over. And a lot of the cross country kids would ski. Um, and then I would leave skiing. I'd go play baseball for two more seasons. I actually played baseball at Springfield for a year. And then after a year of that, I decided I was all set and I played rugby for the next four years, which was probably the most fun that i've i've had in any athletic endeavor that's you've done it all bud holy cow i've tried tried my best (laughs) here well before we hit the record button so this kind of bridges us in nicely we were talking about um just as as coaches and you know you you've had the business for for a while now um and and how we see our members so much longer that we're just talking about the medical, you know, everything that is medical and whatnot. And you're, you're how often you see your doctor and how, how, how short these, these medical appointments are um, and how coaches end up being, being the first line of defense so much of the time. Um, and it, and it's interesting because you no, know, you, you have, you know, you guys do a lot of the personal training thing. You work a lot with a lot of people one-on-one and, and, and whatnot, and, and not saying that we're doctors and, and, and stuff like that. Um, cause, cause we're not doctors, but I had a podcast, two podcasts ago. I, I went into detail. My, my father who's 72 years old, um, came back from, from a little vacation. They took, had a doctor's appointment, had a 303, uh, fasting blood glucose and a 12.6 A1C. And the doctor's like, this is problematic. We should probably put you on some meds. And, and dad's like, ah, I don't know if I, you know, I should, uh, you know, and the doctor's like, okay, we'll give you three months to, you know, get your nutrition together. And, and my dad's like, well, what should I do? And he's like, well, you know, just eat well. And you know, you shouldn't, you know, take care of your, you know, but if you, if you have some ice cream now and again, that won't be a big deal. Super He's a good, he's a nice guy, super nice doctor. <laughs> um, and so then, then he calls me up and then, you know, again, not a doctor, but we, we just make some very, you know, in my mind, smart, little baby steps, you know, strategic steps to get him where he wants to be. Um, And in six months, he dropped his 12.6 A1C to a 6.0 and his 303 down to a 97. And it just, wow. And so we're, we're, and he did a phenomenal job. Um, Like just phenomenal job. That's awesome. Cut out some carbs, um, cut out just mostly the worthless carbs, upped his protein a little bit, stayed very regimented with his little walking loops and stuff like that. And did, did fantastic. We're super proud of the guy. Um, what in the way of you talking and working with your people, you know, intimately one-on-one stuff like that, it, how, how do you handle? Cause it's frustrating. Um, Cause again, the, 
you go to the doctor and they, they try to get you in and out as quickly as possible because they have the next patient coming in. And I feel bad for doctors because the, the whole insurance thing, and I don't understand the whole insurance thing, but they're not getting paid probably nearly as well as they should be. Not bad, but probably not as well as they should be. Like, how do you, what, what, what are you seeing that, that, that you're doing differently, I guess, now 13 years in than what you were doing 13 years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all perspective of having a broader perspective of like because when you first enter the fitness or training scape i don't know about you but i was very narrow-minded mm. this is what we do this is what's the best way to do it this is the only way to do it and this is what i'm going to apply to everybody right and then the further you get into it you realize that that's nonsense that everybody has different methods and different approaches and there's so many tools to put in your toolbox and the further you get into your career the more tools you have to pull from and the more places you learn like where to apply these tools and I apply this here or I apply that there and honestly dude like I would if I talk to you or I talk to I don't even have a primary care physician but if I had a primary care physician and I talked to them honestly I would probably take more out of the conversation with you than I would with them because as you said they see so many people every day they're so used to like, you have diabetes, you have high cholesterol. This is the solution. Take this, get out of here. Where you and I are so used to taking a longer term approach. I'm going to see this person for an hour, three times a week, or I'm going to see this person, how often you're, however often you're seeing them, but we develop so a more intimate relationship with these people that we get to collect so much more data where we know, Hey, you're talking to your dad about food you know his routines and habits you know what food's going to work you know like hey dad when you're looking at breakfast why don't we look at these foods versus these foods the doctor doesn't know that a doctor doesn't have the time to know that um so it's honestly like and I, I know it's like as you said before like we're not doctors you're right we're not but i think that our impact is probably greater than most doctors um, at least for the adult primary care. Don't get me wrong. Like we call the doctor all the time for my kids because we're like, what's this rash? Why is their ear hurt? What's going like, like that's like shit's going wrong and I don't know how to fix it. Mm -hmm. But like for the most part for adults, we have the knowledge like, Hey, go for a walk, move, eat some pretty decent foods. Um, if you're ambitious, get under some heavier barbells because it's going to help with a ton of different shit. Um, and you're going to be all right. And honestly, half the time, I don't even do it's bad. I, the further I get into this, the less I trust most physical therapists. Don't get me wrong. There's some really great ones, but there's also ones where they're, they're like, they're just treating a symptom, right? Well, your knee hurts because of this. Let's put some athlete or some KT tape on that knee and oh, fuck off. Like there's a different reason why my knee hurts. Like look above and below it and let's go up that chain and figure out where it's coming from. Um, but it's so like specific, like, like not, they're just treating symptoms. And I honestly feel like it's kind of the same way that the going to your primary care. Um, I, I want to say the last time I was the doctor, I think I had to go to get life insurance. Uh, at some point i had to get like a physical i think and that was it like and like and then before that was probably a decade and the weird the crazy part was when i went when i was like 22 the doctor literally told me come back in a decade we'll see you then and then i was like oh, all right cool sounds good to me you're my type of guy that's that's fantastic I, i've been to the doctor gosh i don't know how many times but it's all been <clears throat> it's all been jujitsu related um one was 
got some cauliflower ear that got infected. <clears throat> um, and that I tried to drain it myself. Ah. That didn't go great. <laughs> um, and and the worst part was I, I went to a immediate care guy right after it and and he tried to like put a drain, which ends up being, being a, like just a little piece of fabric type thing just to keep it you know but that's so it's like a hole with something in it to hold the hole open yes yes which is just um your your medical cloth type bandage e stuff that's just supposed to drain but long story short it's still sealed up and then got puffy that's where the infection came from um <clears throat> yeah so that was that was a few things and then the um the the wrist blew up that i that, that i had Dude, i didn't know you rolled i didn't know you were <clears throat> yeah. a jiu-jitsu guy well, I, cool. I, I was up until six months ago. So that's, that's that, which, which I really enjoy. And, you know, it, it, it's funny though, going in for these, these appointments, you know, they do all the basic, you know, blood pressure, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they, they ask meds and, you know, I'm not taking anything. And they always, yeah, I'm good. Like, they're like, you're 42. And I'm like, yeah, you're not taking anything. I'm like, what would I be taking? Like, what, what do you mean? What you know, and they said, I forgot the thing, but I, I might misquote this, so don't don't quote me. But something along the lines of people average, like once they get above the age of thirty, they average taking a med for every decade they've been alive. So or something yeah. along that, like like, hey, you should be wow. on four different medications. Four different medications. Yeah. Goodness, for for what? Um, and I feel bad for people who have you know gotten there. So I don't you know, but it just it blows my mind that we're, we're we're that dependent on. You know, doctors just being well. Okay, you have this wrong with you. Take this. Bye bye. You know, you have this. Bye-bye. That is crazy. Oh. Yeah, dude. Um, that's awesome that you were rolling though. I hope you are able to get back to it. Yeah, I hope so. Do you, are you, you jujitsu or jujitsu guy? I wish. I am very jealous. My son is, so I bring oh, him and I watch go. two times a week. I sit there and I get to watch him roll for an hour, hour and a half, twice a week, and I'm just like, oh, man, I wish I had a turn. But um, the only time they offer class is at like seven thirty at night. And being a dad with three small kids, that could be the worst time to yeah. offer a class for me where I'm like, do you offer anything like middle of the day, <laughs> one, two o'clock ish range? Cause yeah. that's a good time for me. Um, seven 30 at night is the middle of bedtime. I can't go to anything then. Oh gosh. Well, it's, but it's he likes it. He loves it. Well, and that's, that's how we got, got going with it. The, we, we share a wall with the jujitsu Academy. Um, so okay. literally if you come in our door, you go, right, you come to us, you go left, you go to, you go to core combat. Um, but yeah, my, myself and our, our oldest got going at the, at the same time. And then eventually all, all, all four of us did. My wife even That's did it awesome. for a little bit of time and she was not for her type of thing, but I can't gotcha. imagine like it's so physical and you have to be so focused with it. Like, it's not like running where you can just like drift away. Like you have to be, yeah. you know, present, but if, I could never do the, they have evening classes too. I could never do an evening class. Cause I, I think I'd come home and be so wired that like I couldn't sleep. Yeah, all, uh, all jacked up. I yeah. always say, and again, I have no experience, but I always talk about it as like, it's the chest of martial arts in terms oh, yeah. of the, the mental like depth that you have to know what's happening, where are you trying to go with something? Where are you trying to bring it? Which I think is super cool to introduce. Uh, I'm talking about like neural pathways and like oh. brain development and, and having kids do that versus um let's say my son plays t-ball okay cool you know what's happening you yeah. swing a bat this way the ball comes this way you run there it's very even though baseball is an open loop sport in that sense it's very closed loop versus jujitsu where like you're feeling pressures you're feeling who's pushing where what levers am i going to go what am i going to do like 
it's so open loop that you don't know anything like where it's going to go at all, which yeah. I think is really cool. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I, I think it's fantastic. My kids have recently gotten, um, well, they finished their second wrestling season. Um, their first one was kind of COVID messed up. So one and a half wrestling, mm. but it's, it's a similar idea. And I, I absolutely love whether it be jujitsu or wrestling. There's something about wrestling too. That's a little bit more primal, but for, for little boys, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, they, it's cool. you win, you lose, you cry, mm-hmm. everyone loses. It doesn't matter how yes. you are. You, you'll make a mistake. You'll get your butt beat. Um, in your underwear, in front of your friends and family, you know. Oh, it's sorry. true. And I mean, oh talk about God. something that, like develop uh, a humble personality of being like, be as arrogant as you want. But when you, as you said, when you lose, be a good sport about it. Yeah. Be able to move on, get over yourself, learn from it, not just kind of sulk on it. I mean, it, I mean, I know you've probably played both sports as well, but like you lose, it's this big deal. You're all upset. It takes a while to get over it. Whereas like, Jiu-jitsu, you tap out like two different times every time they're rolling. You're like, yeah. cool, pop back up, slap yeah. hands, fist bump, go again. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely. I'm trying not to be the crazy dad that forces his kids into you're doing this, da, 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 da. but like, I'm trying to milk a few more years of wrestling out of them. Just I, if they choose to do it for you know high school stuff, it's great. Um, but man, just for like character development and, and stuff like that. And everything that you said, learn how to win, learn how to you lose, you know, you shake hands, you know, somebody's hand gets raised at the end. Sometimes it's yours. Sometimes it's not yours. I, I mean, like the discipline that comes with it as well. Like Jeez. listen, sit, do what they say, when they say, how they say it. Cause in most you sports like soccer, like, um, and look over my son's like, like looking over a flower. It's like, I'm like, Hey, you got to pay attention to the ball. He's like, I don't care about that ball. <laughs> Like, I don't care. So you're kind of like, all right, like there's a lot more discipline layered in on this than others. Yeah. I wa- I walked up, I, 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 had a, I was finishing up some coaching and we, we had soccer games last Thursday. <laughs> so I'm walking up to the field. My wife had taken the kids before walking up to the field. So I was there like three minutes late and my youngest is playing goalie and he sees me, turns, sees me, waves to me. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of a game. It's not like the ball was on the other side of the, you know, other side of the field or anything like that. It was relatively close. I mean, he didn't have to make That's a play second. Like, Hi, Dad. I'm like, dude, pop, watch the ball. Watch, don't. Oh. Yeah, right. Like, watch out there. Go look out there. It's hard. To, I mean, it's great that he's excited to see you, and yeah, yeah. you're doing things right, right? Because he's excited like, to see you, and it's like, hey, look at me, look at me over here. I'm playing, yeah. and you're yeah. like, all right, cool. At least I'm doing something right as Dad. But you need to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. All oh, the children. Well, I'm really curious to hear and and because uh, this, this, this piece is, I, I think the, everything that you're doing with next jump and we, we chat a little bit before, you know, on this, um, I feel that people are so attached to their devices, um, and not just kids, like adults that are very attached to their devices. I get attached, you know, at, at certain times. And a lot of it, I blame on the business for having to run, you know, the social media things and stuff, stuff like that, and, you know, through it. And, um, a lot of times that's just excuses, uh, for, <laughs> for me being on it when I, when I shouldn't be type of thing. Um, but it's, it's affecting, I, I feel like it's affected people's communication skills through the years. Now we're commuting, you know, communicating in, in so many different ways. And sometimes these habits that we're building are not the best communication habits. And so much of the training that, that you've done and a lot of the, the training that you're, that, you, that you're doing with these high level, high functioning, 
um, very successful individuals is, you know, through a lot of these, these skills that you've, you've learned through next jump and stuff like that. How, where do you, where do you think that communication piece is with the average person and how can that help them be, be healthier and break through barriers and get those results that they're looking for at the end of the day, which is just, you know, for, I know for our people, it's really just being happy, healthy, and strong. Um, you know, they, they don't want to be obese. They want to be, you know, not off the medication and, and whatnot. So to go to the, the phone point, I think phones for a lot of people have provided an easy escape to avoid things that they find challenging and hard. Um, talk about, hey, rather than having a conversation with you, Adam, I'm just going to send you an email. Um, and then they're going to label it as, well, it was quicker and more efficient. Well, was it like, like, cause if you really look at like, what is communicating? Oh. Well, communicating isn't just relaying a message. There's so much more to it than that. And that's what phones have really taken away. Phones have given us an ability to, I'm going to send you a text message, which is just some words. Maybe I'll throw an emoji in there so I can show you some emotion. Um, or I'm going to send you an email or. I mean, phones are fine, but because you get more emotion out of a phone, but it's for the same part, when you look at communicating with somebody, what you really want to look at is like, what energy are you putting off? What um, behaviors are you exhibiting that wants not just for you to relay a message, but for the other person that wants to talk back to you? Are you opening yourself up for someone to communicate with you? Um, and that's that's having a conversation, right? That's communicating with somebody. Um, you and I sitting here over Zoom, we can somewhat make eye contact and communicate, and it's a little bit more natural. But there's still a bunch of like I don't I don't know what you're doing with your hands. I don't know what anything below your shoulder down is going on. I have no idea, right? Um, but there's so much that goes into communicating. Um, and, and there's big places like this where a lot of people are. I want to work from home for forever. I never want to go back to the office. Well, that is like crushing communication down so much of those interpersonal things um so kind of to spin more about what you were just asking i feel like phones and technology has been very detrimental to people's ability to communicate and their willingness to work on communication skills because they know that they can just rely on a quick text message or um a quick email to avoid conversations right especially hard conversations because we all know not everybody, but a lot of us have some avoidance behaviors where if we have something that's uncomfortable to talk about, we think on it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to approach it. Um, so we'll use our email or we'll use a, a phone, a text message to kind of get that point across versus sitting down with somebody or talking with somebody about what that issue really is. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that I do with NextJump is helping people recognize how they're communicating. And what I mean by how they are communicating is what behaviors are they putting out to the world that prevents people from communicating with them? And that could be, hey, maybe you're passive aggressive and people know, and they know that you're, he's not gonna really comment or give you much back now, but later he's gonna hold that against you. I don't wanna go to them. Or maybe they're, they use self-deprecating humor all the time. Because if I say something bad about myself before you say it, you can't say it. Or maybe I'm overly positive and I am so positive that, you know, if you come to me with anything serious or anything negative, I'm just going to brush it to the side because I want this to be positive. I don't want any negative energy near me. Um, there's so many red arrow behaviors. One of my favorite is brand management. Um, and we talk about people doing two jobs at the same time, right? So one job is 
what's Adam think of me right now? What are all these listeners going to think of what I'm saying? Am I coming clear? Am I speaking well? What, what's going on? Versus, and then the other part of my brain is trying to relay this message. Whereas if I just got rid of the brand management and worry about the message I'm relaying, I'm going to do a way better job relaying that message. I'm going to do way better work. So cutting down on some of that brand management, internal noise that people go down, these are all communication things that people don't really think of when they think of communication. Um, so my job with Next Jump is running something called PRT courses, which is pre-resiliency training, which is big words on, let's figure out how for you to communicate better. Look at that. What, so if the, I, I want to say the average person, but kind of the average person, I'm just thinking the, the members that we have come to our gym, the members that you get, you have come to your gym and, and, and whatnot. Um, how do you think their, their, their health and fitness is affected by their ability in which to do everything that you just said there? I think a lot. I mean, I think a lot of it is because it's your own personal well-being in terms of like take health from a broader scope of just working. Out. I mean, it could be working out, right? You walk into a gym. Maybe you don't want to go to the gym because people actually want to talk to you and you want to go put your headphones on. You want to go in. Okay, that's because you don't want people to communicate with you and that's what you're trying to shut down. Um, but health-wise, we talk about stress. We talk about anxiety. We talk about all of these things that What's that do? It crushes your gut health, right? Because you're so stressed out that you, you, you're, you can't even absorb food that well anymore. Um, it also stunts your body from producing serotonin because most people think serotonin is just in your brain. Your serotonin is actually produced in your gut and your brain decides when to release it. That's what's going to help you feel good. Um, so communicating can really help you break down barriers to one, ask for help. Someone like myself, one of my my um, behaviors that limit communication is my lack of vulnerability, and I hate asking for help. So if you translate that over to someone walking into the gym, that's them asking for help. That's them asking for coaching. That's them asking for help with nutrition. I guarantee you, you've had this conversation before, is where you ask someone about food. Hey, what's your diet look like? I eat pretty well. Oh, you do? Okay. So you don't want any help with this? No, I'm good. Oh, okay. I, I won't, I won't push that any further if you don't want me to push it further, but that's that lack of vulnerability. They don't want your input because they don't want to hear what they're doing. Isn't right. Or they don't, they're not open for that communication yet. Um, so there's lots of places. I mean, and that translates throughout all of life. It's not just in the gym. It could be you communicating with your kids, you communicating with your wife, you communicating with your parents um, or other people, all those people communicating back to you. Yeah. What's those, what do those conversations look like? And, how willing are they to come to you with things or do you think you'll just shoot it down and dismiss it? If, if, if I'm one of our lovely listeners sitting listening to this right now and, and they're trying to go through like, what's, what's the first step for them? Is it the first step to identify one of those, one of those red arrow behaviors and be like, Oh man, I am passive aggressive all the stinking time. Hope my wife listens to this. I mean, uh, what what what's step one here to you know kind of get them thinking about you know maybe do because you could see how lack of communication frustration can build um you do need help with your nutrition but you 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 oh no i i ate pretty well da, 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 you know i didn't eat any chocolate for breakfast this morning so i'm i'm okay um wait till lunch exactly you know 10 30 i grabbed a snickers because i was starving because i 
skipped breakfast and and went up but but i was i wasn't i, I wasn't open enough I, I didn't communicate well enough um you know and now i i got myself in a hole and now i might just waste the next six months trying to work out where nutrition was really the thing that i that i needed um or i'm a big tough guy um but my knees hurt my back hurts but i'm not oh no i'm fine i'm fine and and i keep squatting i keep deadlifting you know but then when coach asked me you know hey that uh, that one looked a little weird. Oh, I'm fine. I'm, you know, you're not fine. <laughs> what, yeah. Where, where's, where's step one for, for people? So step one, where I like to try to start people is exactly what we're talking about is awareness. Let's bring awareness to what's going on. Cause most of the time people are pretty blind to it. It's um, it's great to have these conversations with other people that are also willing to be self-aware because they'll kind of help you you they'll share with you and they'll open your eyes to more things but step one is becoming aware of it and then step two with that is having the willingness to work on it because some people are going to recognize that i mean like yeah i do that i know i do that so what that's who i am that's how i communicate well that's not really the best way to go about it right like that's the only way change happens is if you're willing to change um so step one is be aware of what you're doing um, and that takes some self-reflection. And that might even take asking a spouse or asking a peer, hey, what do I do that makes you not want to talk to me? Um, and you'll catch yourself. Like, you'll catch yourself. Like, we all have triggers, right? Like, um, my wife could say some, something about me not helping enough uh, clean around the house. And I'll instantly get defensive. A knee-jerk reaction. Instantly get defensive. Shut down. Dismiss it all. Well, that's, that's not me being open for communication at all. She's trying to tell me something and I'm just shutting down and not listening. Yeah. Um, so me recognizing, hey, I do this. Okay, how do I get better from that? So that, that would be where we go from there. But step one is recognition and uh, understanding what you do. There we go. Fantastic. I know, I know when I, we, we went through this exercise initially that my, my wife sat down and helped me with it and she had, she had no issues <laughs> pointing out this and then this and then this. And like, honey, it's only like supposed to be a 15 minute presentation. You, you got to stop at some point. You just can't keep going. <laughs> um, fantastic. Yep. Um, is, is this stuff that you, you've mixed in much with your, your, your training of clients and, and whatnot, sp specifically in any of the, the, specifically some of the next gen stuff? Or is it more, it, it, does it just make you more aware to, you know, your communication with your, with your members and your you know, people that train with you? So the first thing to do, a mistake that people make, and we make, all of us make this all the time, right? People that have some influence is that you, you learn this stuff and you immediately want to pass it off to everybody else. But the problem is, is that you fully haven't like understood the depth of it yet. Um, and as you know, like the courses that I teach are 13 weeks long. So typically you, you don't start pushing this stuff out until towards the end of that because you've had 13 weeks to kind of resonate on it. Yeah. Um, short answer to your question is I have applied this to my staff first. So in next jump, they say better me plus a better you equals a better us. So you start with a better me and you become self-aware about these behaviors. And then to what we were just talking about, step two, step three is finding places where they show up, figuring out ways to dial down those behaviors in those situations, taking reps at what you need. And when I, when I say take reps, um, I can use someone like myself that has an avoidance behavior, or I don't have an avoidance behavior. I have a lack of vulnerability is me finding places to ask for help. So initially, I try to find places, low-hanging fruit to ask for help. Hey, can you help me move this? Can you help me do that? 
Um, those are much, much easier things to ask for help with than things that I led to of asking help with parenting. Hey, I don't know why I, I can't relate to my daughter as well as my son asking my wife to help me. Hey, tell me what I'm missing. Where, like, that's, that's something that hits harder, right? Because that hits home of like, I'm recognizing that I need help as a parent versus I need help moving a couch. Way bigger topics, um, way different spectrums. But you start with asking help with a couch. Hey, can you help me with this? Hey, can someone else help me with that? Hey, can, so you, you build those reps in. If I had an avoidance behavior, it would be, hey, can I get help? Or can I um, have a small conversation about, hey, why did you wear your uniform today? You're supposed to one of my employees. You're supposed to wear a shirt. You wore a Romeo athletic shirt, but it wasn't the right one. What's up? Let me have that small conversation. Um, that's a lot easier than having the big conversations of, of like, hey, your overall performance on X, Y, and Z hasn't been great. Or someone comes into the gym and they're like, this is sucks. This sucks. Blah, 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 blah. I need to have that conversation. And, but before I'm ready to have those, you have to build up the smaller muscle. Um, so what I did is I put a lot of time into myself, um, probably about six months of courses before I started to spin it off to my staff. Um, and then from there, I got two of my staff members involved. Um, and now they're going through the courses as well. And then from there, we'll slowly trickle it into our community. And what we're trying to do is really create what we call a feedback culture. Um, and what I mean by that is, is feedback is designed to make you better, right? Like all the time, we're just, you're just trying to make people better at what they do. You're not trying to tear them down with negative feedback. It's just let me help you. But for people to fully understand that they need, need to know where it's coming from and know your intent, because if you just come at them with feedback, they're going to get really defensive. Um, so people kind of have to get trained in those reps of listening and communicating versus being defensive and shutting down. I think that was a very long-winded answer to your question. No, no that, that, that's <laughs> fantastic. Well, and I just know the, the, the whole next jump thing, and I, this is not something that I would have gotten involved with if, if, if not for you. And, um, you know, so it, it, it took a little bit to, to, to resonate what it is and, you know, what we're trying to do here. And, and us being in the, the leadership positions that we are just, just totally made sense. Um, I, I'm just trying to think for our, you know, our third grade teachers that, you know, come to the gym at four o'clock every day and, you know, just in the, in the way of what, I don't know if they have time in their life, you know, with, with all the things that are going on to do, in which to, which to do, you know, you know, take courses and, and, and whatnot like this, not that they couldn't, but, you know, I don't, don't know if they do. Um, but, but the idea of them being open and, and really being reflective um, or maybe asking somebody else to reflect on them, you know, and, and, and point out, you know, little things that, that might, be limiting them in the way of how people communicate with them, which then if, if you get bad communication, then, you know, then it can be frustrating whether you know, your spouse doesn't communicate you with you in, in certain ways, because, you know, she knows that, you know, when she says something about blankety blank, you're going to fly off the handle because you're stressed to the hilt. And, you know, she's worried about, you know, the, the laundry was left in the dryer, you know, why don't you do that? You know, and it just, that, that shouldn't be a thing. This should be is, that's not a big deal. There are big deals in this world. Yep. There's small deals in this world. You know, you know, the, the small thing should just, you know, water off a duck's back type thing. Um, but then being able to, you know, Hey, I, I'm identifying, Hey, th these are my problems. I suck at this, 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 <laughs> Hey, I'm, I'm going to get better at these things. I'm going to get better at, you know, everything avoidance behavior or, you know, 
blank, 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 you know, being overly positive all the time and everything's rainbows and sunshine when everything's not rainbows and, and, and sunshine. And I'm going to take little reps in, you know, working on, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I, th I think that's a great starting spot for people. Cause all of a sudden, if you, if you do those two things, I think that, that, that opens you up a, a little bit. And again, at the end of the day, I do think we've been kind of screwed up emotionally with, with a lot of the social media stuff. And again, not just the kids where I think it could be insanely negative for the kids, but for us 40 somethings that like, <laughs> like yeah. we should have it together. Um, but we're having these 40 year old, you know, or these you know midlife crises because I don't know. We're, we're looking at, you know, John's profile and John's living the dream and he's, he's out on his boat and he's doing all these amazing things. And I'm sitting in my house, you know, working on a Saturday night, doing next week's programming going, gosh, I'm, you know, whatever I'm yeah. not achieving in this world. And, you know, it just, so what I think of immediately when you think say third grade teacher who comes to the gym at 4 PM, I think of mental fatigue. Yeah. How tired must that teacher be at the end of dealing with third graders all day to come in and spend time with themselves? So something big that they could get out of this is reducing their mental fatigue by trying to get rid of some of the things that make them anxious or make so you start identifying it. Why is this doing this to me? Why am I reacting this way to this? What is going on? So you start getting much more of get much more self-reflective and you start understanding the way you work a little bit more which is to, to your point it does take time up front yep. but in the long run it's going to save you so much mental fatigue so by the time you get to the gym you have more energy you're more willing to come to the gym more often because you're not getting out of work and being like i just want to go home i am so tired right now i just want to be done and then to your point of phones right what, what's so people look at their phone as like a mental break. I just, I need 10 minutes just to disengage and I'm going to look at my phone. What people don't realize is that your phone is actually requiring the same amount of mental energy as you were just previously providing as that teacher. Even though you, you feel like it doesn't, your brain's still working just as hard as it's processing all those things and it's not getting the break it needs. So that's where I mean, I'm sure you talk about it too is having people go out for a walk or having people just sit and look at a, a view someplace. It could be in your backyard. It could be in a garden. It could be wherever. But the idea is putting that phone down to actually mentally recharge versus looking at your phone. So um, one of the things that we, we talk about a lot is oscillating throughout work, mental oscillations, right? Hey, I'm working hard. I'm working hard. I'm working hard. I'm getting really tired. I'm having a hard time making decisions. What do I do? Okay, you need something to oscillate with to refresh your brain. For someone like you and me that might be stepping out onto the gym floor and I'm going to go get a quick workout in for an hour or I'm going to go do whatever. For a lot of people, though, they need to find the thing that works well for them. Some people I know that work from home, I, they have small gardens on their back porches. They'll go out back and they'll, they'll play in their garden for 10 minutes. Some people, they go for a walk. Um, honestly, that's why a lot of people used to smoke cigarettes. That was their oscillation. I'm going to go outside. Now I can control my own time. I can smoke this cigarette. No one can tell me anything while I'm going to do it. And this is me controlling my space. No, that is not healthy. No, I don't recommend that by any way, shape, or form. But the idea is that small little oscillation that you can put in your day will let you refresh your brain. So when you come back in, you can make better decisions and you can work faster and more efficiently with less mental burnout. Um, and big companies are starting to come to this. And this is where companies are letting people go work out at lunch. They're, they're building their corporate headquarters 
around um, giving their employees ideal work situations so they can oscillate and they can have a mental reprieve because I mean, as you and I both know, and I'm sure a lot of these listeners know, if you're in front of a computer at a, all day, at a certain point of the day, you stop being productive yeah. and you just start thinking, and you're like, how did I end up on this website? How did I end up on this Facebook thing? How did, like, you don't even know how you got there. It's like when you're driving and all of a sudden you got to where you were going, your brain just shuts off, right? Yeah. And you're not being productive anymore. And that's where those oscillations are really needed. Um, I know we just switched topics. We went about communicating to oscillating with workflow. But it's all about mental energy and trying to stay sharp and stay acute without having to drink 10 cups of coffee a day to try to stay on or doing whatever else you're doing to try to get there. It's really as simple as just taking a little mental reprieve that doesn't include your phone. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that and you tied this in that mental reprieve can be a physical reprieve um again in the way of jumping in and getting a little workout going for a walk going for a jog um it, i mean it's something easy physical go through I, I like throwing the ball on the backyard for the dog because the dog never gets tired um my arm will get tired but the dog doesn't so like it, it's just funny how how stuff like that where some of the physical stuff can you know really really help that that um you know mental side of things Oh. mental and emotional too i would definitely yeah. pull that into the emotional front too of like if you're having a bad day go move and you're gonna feel a lot better so where we talked about okay serotonin is typically produced it is produced in your gut it's not typically produced it is produced in your gut well what's going to get your brain to release that serotonin movement and that's what's going to make you feel good um, and that's why you hear me talk a lot about going for walks and like yes i own a gym i want people to come to the gym the gym is going to make you feel good and feel better. Do you need to go to the gym to get that serotonin to release? No, you can go out for a walk and be fine. You can go out and work in your garden. You can go out and mow the lawn. You can do a million different, as long as it's not a ride on mower, because you're really not going to get like much. That's just like, yeah, you might get a mental reprieve, but for the most part, you're not getting the, uh, yeah. the exercise that you need there. Right. But for the, like my, my thing here is just go move, go move your body. And I mean, we could dive further into that gut health stuff of like, hey, you need to have fermented foods and you need probiotics or you need this or you need that. That's the next level stuff, right? We're just talking today about be a little self-reflective, understand the way you behave, the way people perceive you. Because there could be a much, there could be a huge gap between how you think you communicate and how people perceive you. So kind of be aware of that gap, work on some stuff to dial that down and move, move every day some way shape or form get up off the couch get out of your office chair move yeah it's, it's funny and this my mind goes we just having scott carpenter on on the podcast last week um you know your your friends with scott and whatnot and just just so much of these you know all of a sudden the, the, these little movement patterns want to now now they turn into habits hey i eat lunch now i go for a walk um hey i at at 2 30 i blank a bit or hey every every monday wednesday friday after work, I go to the gym, you know, and it's these, these scheduled habitual things that, that end up now all of a sudden they're not work anymore. It's not hard anymore because that's just what you do. And we've, we've people, and you probably do the same, um, that been with us for, for 10 years <laughs> and it's, it's a habit. They just, they go to work, they come to Oak, they go to work, they come to Oak, da, da, da. Um, it's not everyday thing. It's, you know, it's, it's it, sometimes during busy times and, and, and stuff like that. When we have one teacher that's, um, you know, been with us for a really long time and she just, there, there, there are months where we'll see her twice in the month 
but then she'll get back on the horse and, you know, cause her whatever work schedule is crazy and she's you know, switching jobs and yada, yada. But it's once you, once you have that habit established, it's so easy to bounce right back onto it. Just like, I mean, no different than smoking or any other bad habit that, you know, people. So to speak, I think habits are super interesting, right? Cause it's, you look at how to have always a habit form. And when you look at habits, you look at triggers of what's your trigger to get you to do what you're going to do. And we all have these. So like I, I wanted a former morning routine. I wanted a productive morning routine. So my morning routine is I come downstairs to turn the coffee machine on. When I'm drinking my coffee, that's my trigger for the next thing I do after that is I sit down and I read for 10 minutes. If I don't make my coffee, I typically don't read because the, the coffee is a trigger for reading. The reading, then I try to stack a habit on top of that. My trigger for um writing in a journal i don't know if this is like i write in a journal right so in my journal it can be gratefulness and all these other topics but it's my trigger to journal is reading so if i skip one of these triggers i end up messing up my whole routine and that translates to food um so some people like i know myself personally i walk into my my house i walk into my kitchen my trigger is when I walk into my kitchen, I typically open this cabinet. What's in this cabinet? There's junk food in that cabinet. And that's where I eat candy. So if I move the candy from that cabinet to somewhere else, that trigger and that habit starts to unwind itself because I open it up. Oh, look, where we keep the fruit now. Now I'm going to start eating fruit from there. Or to your point of maybe coming to the gym after work, the trigger is I get in the car and I turn on whatever radio station or whatever playlist. And that's my trigger. I am now priming my body to go to the gym and that becomes their habit. And what's gonna be interesting is when they get into their car and they turn on a book, do they still go to the gym or do they go do something different? Because our brains really, I mean, I think this is all coming from the book Atomic Habits. Um, I've read so many different books about habit building that I don't know where specifically it's coming from, but I didn't make this up, right? Um, so it's all trigger related and how you build habits and how you stack habits um but it's all like honestly it, it's to your point it's not crazy complicated um but it's consistent and even with the communication stuff that we're talking about intensity versus consistency if you have an avoidance behavior and you go head on and tackle the biggest hardest conversation you're most likely not going to want to do it very often because it was super uncomfortable and it was really really intense where if you take the low consistent reps and build that muscle up um you get more and more comfortable with it same thing with habits. If you start taking these smaller, easier steps and start stacking your habits, you're going to be way more consistent rather than being like, I'm going to go for a 10 mile run every day. Well, Adam, when was the last time you ran? Five years ago. Oh, what, what, what kind of distances were you running five years ago? I was a sprinter. I did hundred meter sprints. I was a track athlete. Oh, so you think day one is a good idea to go out for a 10 miler. Okay. That's probably not going to be a habit that's sustainable. I mean, maybe you're crazy and it is because there's outliers everywhere, right? We got these crazy outliers that can do that shit. Uh, they read David Goggins and they're like, unless my feet are falling <laughs> apart, I'm not going to stop. You're like, oh, that's not also the smartest way to approach things either. But um, maybe for if you're crazy, that works. Um, but that, that really, what you were talking about with habits brings me down that lot, like, that my thought process of like, if you're going to think about habits, think about what trigger gets you to do an action to create a habit. And then also, if you want, let's say you work out, and you have a really hard time eating after you work out well what trigger can you layer in to get it so you have a post post-workout shake or a piece of meat or an egg or whatever you're gonna have but like every if, if it's done by design 
it's really simple. If it's done by chance, there's a good chance it's just going to fall apart. Yeah. Bro, I think that's fantastic. I think that's, yeah, cool, that, that's, that's perfect. Um, I want to be respectful of your time and everything like that. I know you're busy. Yeah. You got lots of things going on. What, what do you wish I would have asked you? What I'd leave out? I don't know. I don't know. That's a great question. I have no idea. I didn't come in with any agenda of things to talk about. Um, came I, in with I, no I, standard I, at all here. There's no standard. I really, I, I ran a podcast for a couple of years myself <laughs> and it was, um, I just like having conversations. Yeah. Like the things that you say trigger me to say other things and trigger me to go down rabbit holes or whatever. And then we can just get into conversations about what's what. Uh, as you were talking, one of the questions I had for you is, what kind of dog do you have? You said you go out and the dog never gets tired. What kind of dog do you have? Yeah, two laps, one yellow, one black. Two, oh, yeah, they're, they're never going to run out of energy, right? Wow. And they're going to always want to bring that ball back. Well, that's the funny thing. So the with the yellow one, yes. The black one could care less. He Really? He, yeah. Oh, gosh. He just, you know, he, he'll look at you as you throw the ball. You know. <laughs> and then when, when the yellow one does get the ball, he'll come and try to tackle the yellow one's head um, just to be that annoying younger brother is really what it comes down to just to mess with him. Um, and if so the funny, yellow dude. one does drop the ball, he'll take the ball and then he'll run away with it, with the ball in his mouth, showing the yellow and chew one. on it or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, like, look what let I me, got. Let me destroy this mm-hmm. in front of you. So you can't have it back. Like you did. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. They're really like, it's like I have two, two different sets of, of boys that, well, which I do. Um, but yeah, they just basically screw with each other all day. And that's what I'm, oh, man. most of my day is just yelling, stop that. Why? Why? Uh, Why would you do that? Stop it. Whether, I always it could be a conversation with, with the dogs uh, or the kids. It doesn't matter. It works. So um, the next level, so the stuff that you and I, we work on together in our group is called PRTA. The next level, that's called PRTB, where you start going down and like dissecting your behaviors a little bit more, where they come from, what you do, what you don't do. And I always think it's interesting when people talk about how they have a hard time yelling at their children. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I think all I do is yell at my children. Because to your point, it's kind of like, stop, keep your hands to yourself. Don't do this. And then you're like, how don't you yell at your kids? I feel like I overly do it. But I mean, it's again, like, it's every, it just is what it is, right? We all got our things. But it's just the, the life of having animals and kids and being busy. I don't think it's wrong to yell at your kids. It's just a matter of why you're yelling and how you're yelling well, and what you're fun. saying. Yeah. Well, it's funny with, with, with a lot of the PRT stuff, I've tried to get reflective in the way of how, you know, I, I think oh, just having the teacher background, I've always been very um, aware of like my nonverbals and my verbals and how I say things to the kids and try to empower them. And they talk about, you know, the, the helicopter parent or like the more dictator parent and, and maybe the, the best median is, is somewhere in the middle where you empower the kids, which to make their decisions, but you, you hold their feet to the fire when they don't do what they're supposed to do. And there are consequences for their, their actions type of thing. Um, so I think I've always been pretty decent at that, but now the, the PRT stuff is kind of taking it to a next level. And um, you know, if I, if I am, you know, dad's busy during the day and, and we're doing some homeschooling stuff. And, you know, I'm trying to write an email of, of different things and my youngest needs help with math and, you know, just how, how, how am I going to, you know, react to that? And, and, and that situation, you know, do I, do, do I tell him to pause for a second and let dad finish the email? Do I stop where I'm at? And then, you know, 
try to help him, but then completely lose my focus on where I was going with that email because it wasn't going to take long. It was going to be all of three minutes and he'd be fine. But it's it's, it's interesting because that, that communication stuff and and my my shortcomings when it when it comes to you know all my flaws and and you know are shown I think 10x when it comes to trying to be a parent. Um it's tough, <laughs> man. I mean after um like right now my homework I'm in PRTV right now. My homework was they call it a trigger tracker. So for the week track everything that triggers you like to have a bigger response right and to that point of like one of my big triggers is neediness i i can't stand when my kids are like super needy like that 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 you're oh my god leave me alone like get out like it's just like one of those things and to your point of like typically if i went out through my course of my day at work with my wife with people around me that would never come out but it's like those little voices that like oh my god um so hey, to, to your point of um parenting can definitely i mean it's the best thing in the world but it can also definitely bring out some behaviors where you're like wow where did that come from yeah. uh, okay <laughs> yeah it's not easy it is i think it's hard to be a kid these days i think it's hard to be a parent these days um not that saying our parents had it easy and stuff like that but back in the day my mom literally kicked us out of the house and you know just hey we'll yeah. you know c- come back later <laughs> I'll be really curious to what we were talking about earlier um, in terms of cell phones and communication of how that transpires over the next decade or 20 years of where communication goes, especially with people that have been raised with cell phones and raised with that form of communication and been allowed to never develop eye contact or never develop shaking someone's hand or having a hard conversation and like where, what happens there? Yeah. What happens to the kids that didn't have the parents that made them do that, that made them go out and actually interact in person that like, I don't know, the scary world. And unfortunately you and I are going to still be employing people during that. And those are like that generation in 10 years is going to be our employee. Yeah. So what's that look like? And how do we communicate with them then? And like, I don't know. I mean, there's no answers to be had there. It's just let's wait and find out. Yeah. That was something I, I really, Oh no, go. I said, I heard a really interesting story. So some of the people that I work with do coaching um, for the CIA. Um, so they're super high level people. And they were saying that right after 9-11, they put a hiring freeze on. So they stopped hiring people. And I want to say it went on for like 10 years or 12 years. And then what happened was they had the baby uh, boomer generation that was looking to retire. And then they had a 10 plus year gap and then another generation coming in. So these two generations with this big gap had these crazy different communication styles and no one could communicate with one another. Communication is really, really difficult, um, which isn't like that far off of what I'm talking about of like where we're going of like, hey, at this point, we've been in the fitness industry for 30 years. You've been in it for one year. How do we translate what we know, what we've seen, how we do to someone new? And I mean, this translates across the board of, grandparents talking to grandchildren and, and those relationships are different though because right grand grandparents can be a little bit softer and more coddling and eat their income isn't dependent on that relationship um their ability to put food on the table is not dependent on that relationship where ours is yeah. um so it, it's questions for the future of we'll see where it goes but um i really do truly believe that starting to be more self-reflective in terms of how you communicate and how the people around you communicate. And then when people are coming on board to your company or if they're in your family of working on communication between them, 
because that's what's going to keep everything going. Um, and as soon as communication falls apart, that's technically organizational silence. And organizational silence is what kills organizations. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Rome, listen to that. Right. Done. Well, <laughs> I need to move. There we go. Perfect. That, that, that was my outro right there. I didn't know we were going to get that far. Look at that. I should have moved it back. We just, we just kept rolling. No, dude, it's funny that um, one of the, um, sorry, one of the things that you made my mind go when I, when I was still, still teaching, it was really interesting to, to look at different schools and how they do different things and whatnot. And there were some schools out in California. Um, and I, I know they're kind of throughout the nation too. Um, we have one in the suburbs. That's probably only an hour away from us, but it's, it's a, called the Waldorf school, but it, it's a school where they really don't use technology. Um, especially like, gosh seventh grade and down stuff like that like it's it's communicating and it's it's writing and it's working together collaborating and presenting and you know and then eventually they'll you know they'll type a paper or or stuff like that but like so so much of it is is very bare bones um and it's it's through what i read and this is a couple years old so maybe things have changed but um a lot of your your big wigs, big wigs, heads of Google, and you know your tech companies and stuff like that, want to send their kids to these schools to a de- you know develop these type of skills, these type of communication skills and leadership skills, and you know and just interpersonal skills because you know let's be clear, an iPhone is not that hard to use. Like my yeah. my seven year old can figure it out like that. Even my seventy two year old parents have figured it out. So like it took them a little longer, but they, <laughs> they figured it out. It's very intuitive. Like the, they're not you're not going to hold them back by not allowing them to experience technology and i'm not saying that you know a kid should never touch tech or anything like that but it's just interesting where um these skills everything that we just talked about for the last you know 60 minutes um is a whole lot harder <laughs> to develop than you know one skill on technology and to be able to you know to get to get good with that i completely agree it's it's really interesting that the people that are designing that technology are trying to prep their own children on how to live without it because they can see how yes it helps you in certain regards but also in other ways like i i have a executive staff meeting that i'll walk into in a little while well there's no technology there i'm sitting in a group of four to five people communicating with them and eye to eye what's my personal body language coming off as what energy am i bringing into this meeting like Am I coming in on full tilt where I'm pissed and I want people to feel it? Or am I coming in and being like, nope, let's hear what he's saying. Let's hear what's going on. So like to, to agree with you, I think um, delaying your children's interaction with technology as long as possible is probably smart, um, but also super difficult because it's really, really easy when I'm busy and I need to do something to throw my phone at them and being like, here, take my phone, go watch whatever you want. I'll see you in a half an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I find it interesting. Not the best parenting skills, but sometimes we need it. Yeah, no, there. Yeah, no, I understand that. I know we we've had times where we've gone out to eat as family, and you know, two tables down, kids will kids will just be attached to their devices. Some of the thing that blows my mind, and, and you know, sometimes parents just need to talk. I, I get it, but I've seen kids with like headsets on, and you know, attached Jeez. to the iPad. So they're like, oh my gosh, like you know, a bomb could yeah. go off right now. That kid wouldn't even know what's going on. Uh, I know you oh. see that, and they talk about like um, how important those meals are for child development and successful people, and how much like those family interactions of sitting around a table and sharing a meal is. Um, and they talk about also the people that like stick together long run 
typically um share meals and share booze too but like sharing a meal with somebody or sharing a drink with somebody is really really important to develop that connection because if we just connect virtually all the time we're never going to feel connected i mean yes you'll be like yeah i know that person i like that person but it's never going to be like i feel a connection to that person um and that's where i think that these in-person things are still super important and i know it was hard the last couple of years with covid and people being scared and i understand like you don't want to get sick you don't want to die you don't want to give it to somebody else you can have whatever beliefs you want about it but it happened and it was what it was right so it's all knock on wood it's over um now it's time to get back out there people it's time to go meet people it's time to go back to work it's time to go communicate again with people and it's time to do it in person and not over your device so if i have any parting words for people is look at yourself and how you communicate and be willing to change rome i love it if people want to find out more about about you what you're doing the gym we have people move out to the East Coast. Where, where, where do they look? Where do they where where, where do they find you? Uh, my website is RomeoAthletics dot. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, RomeoAthletics dot fitness. Um, or you want to send me an email, Andrew at RomeoAthletics dot fitness. Um, I think my Instagram handle is like Romeo dot AJ. Um, just look me up. Look up Romeo something. You'll find me somewhere along the line. I'm out there um shoot me a message i'm i'm very communicative i will communicate with you um and i'm happy to walk through any of this stuff with anybody if they have interest in kind of the courses that we run or what we do and how we do it um and as you guys can tell it's my passion and i want to help people communicate better i I view it as my next iteration of coaching it's going from the physical to the more mental and a place where i think it's really needed in the future rome i love it Andrew, thanks for joining us. Appreciate Thank you, Adam. Yeah. I appreciate you as well, dude. Awesome. Listeners, thanks for listening. Andrew, thanks for taking the time. We'll catch you guys in the next one. That's all we have for you today. If you have questions, want to chat, or are interested in seeing what we're up to between episodes, head over to Instagram and follow at lauren.rxtn and at oakstrength. Together, we are two companies committed to elevating your health and fitness. If you like this episode, please share it with someone who wants to live happy, healthy, and strong. If you really liked it, subscribe and review our Happy Healthy Strong podcast on iTunes. Be sure to tune back in next week and remember to keep owning your health.